the other thing is parents don't always know best. My parents didn't want me to be an actor. What? I know. Well, because they were worried that I wouldn't make any money. They were worried about my <laughs> well-being. <laughs> Wait, did they say something like, I want you to get a real job? They were more gentle than that. I said, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. Just trust me. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. I could tell they were really worried. See, parents don't always know best. My next guest today has provided me with a lot of laughs and entertainment throughout the past three years. Joining me today is the hilarious and genius actor behind Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and most recently, the voice of Mirabel from the Disney film Encanto, Stephanie Beatriz. We discuss how life is going for her as a new mother, her perception on love, bisexuality, and the production of Encanto, and plenty more of course. We deep dove into conversations about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and we'll release that as a separate bonus episode for the audience. I was quite excited for this interview, but I kept my cool when talking with Stephanie. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Stephanie Beatriz. Hello, Stephanie. Hi. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm going well, thanks. Good. I I gotta say, I can't tell you how excited I am that you're that you're on today's podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, Chelsea Chelsea Peretti told me that she was on and that she had such a good time, and um, she connected me with your producers because I said I would absolutely want to do it if you wanted me to be a guest. So I'm happy to be here. In fact, I actually enjoyed having her on as well. She's pretty hilarious, isn't she? She is. Yes. <laughs> And I recently sent her and her husband, Jordan Peele, a, a birthday message recently. Did you? Yes. What was the message? Well, maybe it was private. What was the... Can you share? It was It was actually a, a small um, clip of myself wishing them a happy birthday and to oh. always stay safe. That's nice. That's very thoughtful of you. Also, I know it's pretty late, but happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. I turned 41 on February 10th. I know. Thank you. When's your birthday? 20th of March. 20th of March. Do you believe in astrological signs, like horoscope signs? Yes. What's yours? Pisces. Pisces. And what are the sort of um, characteristics of Pisces? If you look at um, Pisces traits, they're, um, they're known for being um, emotionally sensitive, gracious, and emotionally aware. Ooh. They're regarded as for being among the most sympathetic of the zodiac signs, and they will go to great lengths to ensure the happiness of those around them. They're also quite creative and imaginative. Oh, that's and not to mention charming, romantic, and considerate. Would you say that those are good descriptors of you? I would say so. I would. And agree. they're also the second most sensitive star sign. Who's the first? Cancer. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know that I I think I'm a very Aquarian. I can't remember all the traits, but I think some of them are like aloof. Others are wanting to um, make the world sort of a better place, a community kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm an Aquarius. But I should ask you, um, how how's life going for you as, as a mother? 
It's pretty good. I mean, it's alternately very awesome and cool and sometimes really magical and special. And then it's also the most exhausting thing I've ever done. Um, I know I, I had friends that told me, oh, you'll, you won't have time for anything after you have a baby. And I thought, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be fine. I'll be fine, you know. But they were right. Um, they were extremely right. So it's very, it's very tiring, but it's also really cool because her name's Rosaline. We call her Roz. And she's really sweet and she's really funny. And, like, she's learning new things every day, which is really cool. Like, she's starting to learn to sit up. And she's starting to try to grab things. She can grab things now and she can grab food and try to put it in her mouth. And she, it's, co- it's cool. It's cool to see a tiny human being because we were all tiny human beings at one time. So it's really yeah. cool to see how we develop, like to imagine that, Oh, everyone went through the same thing. Learning, learning these yeah. things like rolling over, yeah. holding your head up, bringing your hand yeah. to your face. You know, it's really interesting. So, yeah, I would say the short answer is it's alternatively, alternately, alternatively, the hardest and coolest thing I've ever done. But it will um also give you give you a reason to um not be at work twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, you would think. Uh, it's hard because, like, if, if let's say we lived in some kind of, like, utopian society where no one had to have a job, right? Like, we all could just do what we wanted every day and everyone would be safe and happy yeah. and eat food and enjoy themselves. And if that were the case, then it would be really cool to spend all my time with Roz and do yeah. art for fun. But the reality is the art that I do also is my job. So I have to pay for life, like pay bills and pay for groceries and save money so that she can go to college or in case she breaks her arm or something, because we don't have national health care. We don't, we, you know, in the United States, you have to pay for health care. So, so yeah, I love spending time with her, but you know, I also know that I have to work too. So it's a, it's a hard balance of like trying to find, how do I fit work and my own creative expression into my life yeah. and then also be with her because it's also like this time mm. is very fleeting. It's going so quickly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. In fact, I gotta, I gotta say college seems to be a very big thing in, in America. Yes. It's a very big thing. It's not subsidized really. I mean, you can, it's not subsidized by the government really. So you can get yeah. loans and you can get some grants but the majority of the time you've got to figure out how to pay for college on your own and at the same yeah. time employers want to see that you've gone to college it's some like it's even though it doesn't necessarily mean that you're smarter or better or more successful or even more capable most of the time it just means that you've gone and studied in a place for four or six or eight years oh that being said, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go to a doctor that hasn't gone to college. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. uh, obviously, there's some jobs in which you got to go to college, but I don't think everyone yeah. needs to go to college. Nah, you see, here in Australia, we have universities mm. and also other uh, certain other t- 
type of place called TAFE. What's TAFE? TAFE is Territory and Further Education. They do more like, um, you know, hospitality and um, bricklaying and carpentry, you know, um, physical manual labor type work. Oh, that's cool. That's like, um, we would call that in the US, we would call it trades people. Oh, like a trade. Right. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, one of the things I think that the US is, I mean, this is a very interesting kind of thought, but I think one of the things that the US is is struggling with right now is that it has put so much pressure on people to go to college, go to university, and we're losing our ability to have people that are tradespeople. So there are all these jobs yeah. that we need filled and we need, you know, we need people that are builders and plumbers and other like yeah. incredibly difficult trades. And those jobs are sort of like it's it's hard to sometimes find skilled people that are really knowledgeable yeah. in those trades because, like <clears throat> you said, America's put so much pressure or so much weight on going to college. I can certainly tell. Yeah, <laughs> seems to seems to very seems to be a very in demand thing there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also got to ask you, how's your husband going as a dad? I think he's doing really well. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to, when we first started dating, one of the things that I asked him up front was, how do you feel about being a stay-at-home dad? And he said, I feel great about it, which I was surprised by because there's not a lot of people that I think are ready to just be stay-at-home parents. And I wouldn't say he's full 100% a stay-at-home parent. He does like freelance social media marketing and stuff. But when we were in London, so I just recently got back from London. I was doing a play there for three months. And when we were there, he was with Roz every single day. He was the main caretaker for her while I was in rehearsals. And he was the main person with her every single day while I was doing the play at night. So wow. he's. I think he's really enjoying it. Like I, I think he's really liking it. And they are – they're, they're – they get along great. I mean, they love each other so much. So, yeah, it's it's been – and I couldn't have done the play in London if I hadn't had him commit to being with her every day. That's impressive. It was cool. Yeah, it is impressive. You're right. It is impressive. I wish I could be in London. Oh, man, it was pretty cool. Have you been there before? Like, I, I that was my first time, really. No. Never been to London. It was, it's nice. I really liked it. You guys are based in Los Angeles, I believe? Yes, we live in Los Angeles. Yes, we've lived here. He's lived here for almost 20 years. I moved here in 2011. Nice. Yeah. I also should ask you this. Yes. Um, since your parents are Colombian and Bolivian, mm -hmm. would you like to share some information about your culture? Yeah, sure. My dad is Colombian. He was born in a city called Barranquilla, which is... Where Sofia Vergara is from. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, she's from the same place. It's a very, like, um, I believe it, it's a port city, really. Like, there's a lot of um, importing and exporting that comes in through Barranquilla. There's lots of kinds of people there. Um, I think a lot of people think Colombians only look one kind of way, but when you visit places like Barranquilla in Colombia, you see that there's 
white Colombians, there's more brown Colombians like me, there's black Colombians, there's all kinds of people. The music is incredible. The food is really amazing. Um, you can see a lot of Colombian culture in the Disney film that I did, Encanto. And there's lots and lots of little things sprinkled throughout the movie that that are very Colombian. Like, if you were to watch the movie again, you can see things like um, my character Mirabelle, her mom's cooking. She cooks things like arepas, which are a traditionally Colombian dish. Um, the music in the film is really highly, heavily influenced by Colombian music. So, like, the sounds that you're hearing, even the instruments that you're hearing are Colombian. My mom's culture, she's Bolivian. She was raised in La Paz in Bolivia. I actually have never been to Bolivia. My mom has told us a lot about it. Um, where she's from, it was very mountainous. So she came to visit me once when I was doing theater in Oregon. And Oregon is like really beautiful. It's very lush. There's lots of like um, hills and like mountain rangey kind of areas. And my mom said that it reminded her of where she grew up, which I was really surprised by. I didn't expect that at all because I wouldn't think the sort of landscape of Oregon would look like Bolivia. But to my surprise, it did. Um, my mom and dad both speak Spanish. They also both speak English. My mom, I think I would really like to visit where she's from in Bolivia because like I said she does she hasn't been back in a really long time but she does have funnily enough she has a lot of Bolivian family that live here in Los Angeles right outside of Los Angeles in Glendale so every Christmas and many other holidays we spend a lot of time with them so my mom really likes visiting Los Angeles because her cousins and family live here wow yeah since you've already mentioned Encanto, I'm about to get to that. Okay. Can you tell us about your experiences working on that film? I'll start at the very beginning, which is, so there's this, um, I guess it's a like an online magazine, um, and it's called Deadline. And actors and people that are involved in the entertainment industry often read Deadline because it's sort of the, the place where lots of breaking news happens, announcements about projects or... Um, little tidbits of information. It's really interesting. And I happened to come across an article in Deadline a couple of years back that was that Lin-Manuel Miranda was collaborating with Disney on a new animated film that was going to be set in, in, in Colombia. And I lost it. I mean, I was so excited. I immediately emailed my agents and managers and said, this is happening. I'm Colombian. I'm part Colombian. Can you please get me an audition for this? Because I am a huge Disney fan. I love Disney. I love visiting the parks. I love the movies. I love the movie musicals. I love everything about it. And so they were able to get me an audition. Now, the actual first audition was not for Mirabel. It was for Louisa. Because I think because of the voice that I had done on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they thought that maybe I would be a good <laughs> fit for Louisa. So I did the audition for Louisa. Um, it was a few, uh, what they call sides, which is like just a few pages from a script. There, It's really just like a scene or two from a script. And so they sent me the sides for Louisa. I put the audition on tape. They wanted us to do a video, even though we were just doing voiceover. 
And then I got a callback, which is like your second audition when they call you back to see if they do want to work with you or not. And I met with Byron Howard and um, Jared Bush. Bush. Yes. And they were so nice and lovely. And they talked to me about what the movie was kind of about. And I sang for them, um, which I was really nervous about. But I sang You're Welcome from Moana. Because I thought that would be a good idea because it's a Lin-Manuel Miranda Disney song. So I just kind of put my own spin on it. And then they gave me a phone call where they said, listen, we want you to audition for the lead. So we're going to send you new sides for Mirabelle. And this time you can just put it on audio so you can just record yourself at home. And they talked me through... I believe it was Jared that that sort of said, this is what's going to happen in the scene. Here's what we're looking for. I think he said some emotional vulnerability. And in in a different scene, he was like, you know, I would just want to hear you have fun and and see what you can bring to it. And so I recorded those in my closet at home, like in in between all my um, coats and things to muffle the sound a little bit so that they could get a good recording. And I recorded both of the scenes and I did a little improvisation because I thought it would be fun just so they would hear what comedy stuff that I could bring to the role. And then I got a message from my agents that said, okay, they want to have another call back with you. And I was like, okay, this means I'm really close. They said it's going to be on Zoom and they it's this date and, you know, I said, do I have to have a song prepared? What do I have to do? They said, no, they're just going to have you read a little something. They just want to see you again. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like now we're on the, what is this, like the fourth audition, basically. So wow. I, get, I, I do my makeup so that I look nice. And I did my hair and I wore my lucky dress. And I sat down for the call. And it was all these faces on the Zoom call. It was Jared and Byron and... I believe it was Clark Spencer, who's one of the producers, and Yvette Marino, who was one of the producers. And it was a bunch of people from Disney, and it was very official, and uh, I was very nervous. And and they said, well, we just wanted to get you on a call because we wanted to tell you that you got it. And I was impressive. so excited. I, I mean, I was like, I still, when I think about it, it's like one of the best memories of my life because it was like a real actual dream coming true you know like it was actually gonna happen and the whole process of going into the studio and doing all the scenes and learning the songs and learning different versions of the songs and recording the songs the whole thing was just it was so fun it was so I just felt like I was flying the whole time wow yeah it was awesome it was truly awesome Are we both in agreement that Disney is the best? Yes. We love Disney. I love Disney. Have you ever been to one of the parks? I haven't. I think you've got to go. If you if you want to travel, that would be a great visit. One of the parks. It would be fun. It certainly would be. Yeah. I also want to give my thoughts on Encanto. Please do. I've seen it twice. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. Although I did find... Mirabelle's grandmother somewhat annoying. Uh, yeah, it's she's 
face. <laughs> Annoying is generous of you. That's a generous way to put it, I think. she's She can be quite cruel sometimes. Yeah, I actually wasn't really impressed by the fact that she looked down on her granddaughter because she didn't have a gift and because that she wasn't contributing to the family. Yes, exactly. Even though Mirabelle was clearly trying her best. Exactly, exactly. There's so much to um, explore in the character of Abuela and how she relates to the other characters. Yeah. I think watching it for the first time, it's easy to see how how cruel she can be and how judgmental. And then yeah. I think watching it the second time with the knowledge of what she's been through herself can yeah. allow us to sort of empathize a bit more with her. For example, my parents, who I really love, but they were both raised in households where there was a lot of yelling and there wasn't a lot of patience for them as children and they had to grow up very quickly and and so because of that they have they themselves have like a limited set of tools so in my household there was quite a bit of yelling too there was quite a bit yeah. of pressure to to be Perfect. you know if i came home with a report card that wasn't straight a's it was like well where where are the a's like what is this you know like and it was hard but because I saw them, I I took that and thought like, well, I don't want to be that way with my kids. So what can I learn? So I yeah. add to my own toolbox. And so as I'm thinking about how I want to raise Roz, I don't want to yell in front of her. I want to be as, as patient as possible. I want to yeah. have an environment where she really feels like she can be herself and tell me things and not be scared of yeah. repercussions and stuff. So like, it's that sort of I, the idea of like as each generation passes, like how do we improve on what we've learned and how do we add to our own yeah. toolbox? Oh, and by the way, I do have to say a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Forgive me for being blunt, but I should say this. When anyone becomes a parent, don't repeat the, the same mistakes your parents made. A hundred percent. I love that you were blunt because I think that's a really good and, piece of advice. And also don't take on their beliefs. Yes, I think that's really smart too. I think it's really good to explore and ask questions and read and not just assume. Exactly. Yeah, not not because we don't know any. I don't know. I don't know everything. You know, how could I know? How could no. I possibly know everything? I part no of, one does. No one does, and that's the whole point. Is like so that your kid will go. Hmm. What do I believe? What do I think? And the other thing is, parents don't always know best. They really don't. My parents didn't want me to be an actor. What? I know. Well, because they were worried that I wouldn't make any money. They were worried about my <laughs> well-being. Oh <laughs> Wait, did they say something like, I want you to get a real job? They were more gentle than that. They said, what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? And I was like, it will work <sighs> out. I said, it w it's going to work out. It's going to work out. Just trust me. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. Well, you know. We're here if you need us. They were, they were, but I could tell they were really worried. They, they sound like they ha didn't have much faith in that. I don't think they did, not at first. And it took time. It really did take time. Yeah. See, parents don't always know best. The sad thing I think for Abuela is that like, she looks back and goes like, oh, I've wasted. And I'm, you know, it's those, the lyrics in the last song that she sings where she says, I'm sorry, I held on too tight so afraid I'd lose you too. And she's singing that to her kids because she is like 
part of why she was like this is because she was so sad that her own husband died so young. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But he, but he sacrificed himself. <gasps> I know. So that scene is so, so... Distressing. Stru- yes, isn't it? And, you know, do you know anything about yeah. the history of Colombia at all? I don't. So I'll tell you a tiny bit. Um, I'm sure. not a historian, so I, I don't... I don't know exactly how to put this like in the most educated way, but that scene and and how the people in the Encanto are displaced from their home, that is actually a part of much of the history of Colombia is that um, at times there were different groups that were grappling for political power and those groups became militarized and they would often push people out of their homes and stuff. Anyway, I thought Disney did such a cool job and beautiful, like gentle way of sort of touching on something mm-hmm. like that. And like, I think it's so beautiful, the film, because like it really does like, it, it shows you like that miracles and beautiful things can come from Things that are hard and things that are sad, you know? It's like, I just love that idea that, like, from things that are hard, you can move past it and, like, find Mm. light and find beauty and find magic, you know? Yes. It's really cool. Anybody anybody who says that acting is just a hobby, I find that insulting. (laughs) I do, too. I mean, but I also, it makes me sort of laugh sometimes because I'm like, you just don't know what it is. Like, you don't understand it, you know? Because acting's hard work. But I was actually quite impre- impressed with your stance on it because that's called determination. Totally. Yes. Something a, lot of, something a lot of people don't really have these days. Yeah. I find, you know, I read this book one time called, I believe this is the title. It's called Talent is Overrated. And in the book, it talks about how there's lots of talented people. But the thing that separates the people that are talented from the people that actually succeed can often be practice and determination and work. See, because you can have talent, but if you don't work hard with your talent and work at the thing that you want, then things might not always come easily. You really have to try your best, you know? And I thought that was really... It, it inspired me to work harder. For example, when I was in college, I, don't, I didn't really work hard on my auditions, like not very hard. And I sort of just like, you know, if I really wanted something, I kind of worked hard, right? But then there was a musical at the very end of my time in college that I really wanted really badly. And I worked my butt off on that audition. I mean, I worked really hard. And when I got it, I knew that I hadn't gotten it just by chance or whatever. I knew that I had earned it. And like that feeling is so, it feels really good when you know that you've worked hard on top of your talent, you know, that, that you weren't just handed something, that you really earned it. And it's, and being in a, in, in a career is not just about Make, making money it's also it's also if you're if you're passionate about the work or not exactly because if you're not passionate about the work what are you even doing exactly that's exactly right people have 
people and when you become an adult you shouldn't should not really care about making your parents proud you should be making yourself proud i love that yeah somehow they are the first people in the world who we want their approval and it's a hard thing to shake but i think you're right i think oh i just heard the theme song from brooklyn 99 oh that's that's my phone ringtone <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I actually have the the theme song of Brooklyn Nine Nine as my phone ringtone. Oh, it's amazing! I love that. Every time I answer answer it, I um wait for it to um to finish. That's amazing. Before I answer the phone, that <laughs> makes me so happy. Because oh. I love that that music a lot. It's so good, right? The little the horns and the uh, yeah yeah. I miss it. Brooklyn Nine Nine is one of my favorite shows. Thank you. I mean, I can't take all the credit, but thank you. I don't really have a favorite character because I think they're all great. Thanks. Well, except for except for Hitchcock. <laughs> Hitchcock. You know what's hilarious is that the guy that plays that role, Dirk Blocker, is a charming, yeah. wonderful, lovely human being, but that character is gross. <laughs> I know. Gross. He's pretty much the the most useless member of the precinct. Oh my god! Absolutely useless. Just. Constantly taking his shirt off, saying disgusting things. Oh, so gross. Oh, and oh, I also got to say, with Encanto, um, I was actually quite surprised that Sofia Vergara wasn't part of the cast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they did pull every a lot of famous Colombians. So it, I, I think, I wonder why she wasn't. Maybe she was too busy. Maybe they wanted to... Um, have a different sensibility or something about the film because sometimes like if you cast certain people they bring something different you know well i guess everybody yeah. brings something different to what they're doing but maybe they just couldn't find a right fit for her or maybe they wanted mm. something different i gotta say all the cast members look look pretty attractive because because anyone who's latin american is naturally attractive <laughs> that's a really nice thing for you to say i would agree and they're so full of life. Beautiful group of people. I mean, it's a great group of human beings. They're so funny and cool and nice. When we did, we did about a month of press for Encanto before it came out. And I got to meet most of them for the first time um, during some of that press. And they were all so nice and really funny and cool and talented. I can certainly tell. Yeah. In fact, John Leguizamo was in that film as well. He's one of my idols. I love him so much. And I got to meet him and I was just, I was trying to be cool, you know, like when you try not to like freak out. So I was like being very calm. Yep. Like, I really like your work. And, you know, but there are quite a few interviews where I wasn't as cool. And I sort of said like, I just think you're amazing and incredible. And, you know, but I, <laughs> he's really, really nice and so smart in real life. He's so smart and funny. Yeah. I, I seem to be more composed when I'm interacting with, with famous people. Really? Yeah. I find that, like, most famous people, celebrities, I mean, they're just regular people. They just happen to have a job that puts them out in the world, right? Like, in a, in a sort yeah, of, of course. big way. Celebrities may not be gods, but they're definitely worth admiring. You look at them as, he as, your, as your personal inspirations or heroes, but... Just don't view them as 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 gods because no. technically they're not. No, they're technically they're not. They're just they're just like us. Like they're not yeah. any the only thing that's different is that they have an ability. It's just like a you know, a 
really good athlete, you know, like a really good athlete has a, a skill set that is like incredible and sometimes seems superhuman, but at the end of the day, we're all humans. Like hmm. that's what we are. And I also got, got a mention with Encanto, mm -hmm. your co-star, Diane Guerrero, mm -hmm. who plays, um, Isabella, she's also quite quite attractive herself. She's beautiful, yes. And extremely smart. Did you know she wrote a book? I didn't. She wrote a book. Um, I think it's like a memoir about her family. Her her parents are Colombian and Yeah. She wrote a whole book. Yeah. I also recently watched that clip on YouTube where you where you and Diane made what's that word you Arepas. Arepas. Yes. Yeah, you two made those together. <laughs> yes. I'm really, really sorry to say this, but I got to back Di Diane on this one. Yeah, I will say Diane's did taste really good. It's because I'm not really a fan of of avocado. I oh, can't really? stand it. Can I ask, what is it about them that you don't like? Maybe it's the texture, but every time I've tried it, it makes me gag. Ooh. But if it's guacamole, that's different. So you like guacamole? Yeah. Okay. Surprisingly. Okay. Yeah, that is surprising. I also got to say, actually ask you, what do you think love is? Hmm. Do you mean romantic love? Do you mean love in general? Any kind of love. I think love is a combination of feeling and action. So I think it's the feeling part is a sort of like warm familiar, happy, comforting feeling that feels like you just want to be in that space forever, you know? Like you never want to yeah. leave that place where it feels like... <sighs> and I think it's a combination of that feeling and action because love is also the things that we not do for, but... Um, the way we hold other people. So that could be anything from listening or respecting someone else's wishes or mm -hmm. looking out for other people. Sometimes love can be like taking out the trash for someone else when you know they're busy or making them a meal mm -hmm. when you know they're busy. Yeah. Or it can be going out of your way to to do things like learn about something that they like, you know, so that you can talk to them about it. You know, there's this sort of idea that like, oh, well, real love is unconditional. And I think- It is. Yeah, I, I think it is. Like, I think love is like, wants to be, doesn't want to make anybody jump through hoops or have to be something, you know? Yeah, I would agree with, with, the, with all that. Thanks. It is something worth pursuing. A hundred percent, it's something and, worth pursuing. And, some, and something to live for. It is something to live for, yes. Yeah. Forgive me for asking this question, but i got to ask you, are you comfortable talking about your bisexuality? I am comfortable talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Um, Would you like to talk about it? Sure. I mean, my bisexuality is part of who I am. Um, I think I realized that I was bi when I was really young. Um. And the way that it sort of lives in me is sort of, it's a, just a part of who I am. In the same way that like 
being a woman is part of who I am, being Latina is part of who I am, being an immigrant is part of who I am. I was born in a different country and I came here when I was little. Um, being an actress is who I am and being bi is who I, who I am too. Even though I'm married to a man, my bisexuality still exists and doesn't go away. Um, yeah. And and I think for me, talking about it and being open about it um, hopefully allows other people to say to themselves, hmm, oh, that's interesting about that actor, so I didn't know that. Or maybe it maybe it could make them go, huh, I wonder how I feel about my own sexuality. Have I, did I maybe push something down that I wasn't aware of? Did I... Did I decide long ago that I wasn't going to describe myself this way because I'm in a straight presenting relationship? I recently had a friend who, you know, is roughly my age um, and I'm 41. She came out to me and she's my age. And she said, you know, I think I'm I'm bisexual. And I was so excited to hear that because self-discovery is just a part of what we're doing on this planet. We're learning more and more about ourselves. And if if we're lucky enough to discover new things about ourselves every year of our life. Wow, what a life, you know? And so I was excited that she felt like she could talk to me about that because I have been so public about being bisexual. And so like, for me, I never want to stop talking about it because it, I think it helps other people talk about what's going on with them. Of course. Well, I'm not really part of this community, but I, I'm actually a, an ally of that community. I support that community. Well, we thank you very much for that because that's what what we need in order to make real lasting change on the planet. We need yeah. people in the community and people that support the community. And I have a few friends that are actually part of that community as well. Really? That's awesome. One of them is a lesbian and one of them is bisexual. That's very cool. That's very, very cool. I'm sure they were, are psyched to yep. have you as an ally. And I love them both. Mm. I found out on IMDb that when you were 10 years old, you tripped on, on some Lego and it caused that signature scar in your yes. right eyebrow, I believe. How, yes. how did that happen? So I had, when I was growing up, I had what's called a daybed. And my daybed had a, a metal sort of frame, a, a very ornate white metal frame. And it also had a bed skirt. And my sister and I had built some Legos on the floor in our room. And so I was trying to walk carefully around the bed skirt, carefully around the Legos. And I tripped on the bed. My foot got caught in the bed skirt and I fell onto the bed. But when I did, I thought I was going to be fine because I I was like falling toward the mattress. But my head hit the headboard. And since it was metal, it hit really hard and I started bleeding. And that's how I got the scar. Ugh, yeesh. Now I believe we've reached the Ask Mr. A Plus segment. I'll explain what that is. Okay. The Ask Mr. A Plus segment is a segment of the podcast towards the end where um the guest gets the opportunity to ask me questions, anything they would like to ask me. Michael, what is your favorite Disney film, animated only, and why? And it does not have to be Encanto. You don't have to say Encanto. There's sev- I have several favorites. Encanto is one of them. Great. Along with Moana, because it reminds mm-hmm. me of Hawaii. I really miss that island. There's also um, 
both Frozen films because I'm actually quite a fan of Kristen Bell. She's quite a light in the world. Yes. Um, and there's also Tangled, The Princess and the Frog, The Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, 101 Dalmatians, Snow White, Alice in Wonderland, and um, also The Rescuers, I believe. Love The Rescuers. You really do have a lot of favorites. I'm loving this. Okay. So let's narrow it down to in Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. Yeah. What would you say your favorite moments in the films do you think are? Like, do you have a particular moment where you know it's coming and you're excited to watch it? Or a song that you really like or anything like that? I think all the songs are great. They are. And with moments, I think that they're all brilliant. But I do have to admit, my, my only favorite character would have to be Anna. She's so funny and like... Yeah goofy and sweet and brave the inspiration behind that character is the person who voices her kristen bell who's actually one of the most brilliant actresses from america she's amazing she's really amazing she is yes i want her on the podcast as well she'd be a great guest so now my next question is you mentioned hawaii when did you go there and how long did you stay february two years ago 2020 and, and were you there for a while? No, we were just there for like at least two weeks. It was just a family two weeks holiday. Is pretty good. Where did you stay on the Big Island? Which island did you stay on? Hon- Honolulu. What was it about it that you liked so much? It has a very relaxed vibe. It was beautiful, and it was like the first American state that I've ever visited. Oh wow! Well, it it definitely set the bar high because Hawaii is so beautiful it's and you're right it does have there's something in the air right like it the vibe is so chill yes unlike here yeah unlike here too it's it can be hard to be chill in los angeles and in in australia too yeah yeah my last question is what is the thing that you hope to impart on people with your podcast as a whole. Hopefully, um, my guests and audience will take away the lessons that I possibly taught them. I love that. And also inspire people to, you know, want to make a difference in, in life and do what's, what's best for your family and friends and yourself. And not just focus only on work, but there's more to life than work. So you are succeeding in your goals for the pod. I am? Yeah. I think so. I haven't noticed. Well, I'm telling you that it's happening, so take it to heart. Thanks. <laughs> okay. This was awesome. It was, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. It's my pleasure, Stephanie. And thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Oh, and um, is there any th- anything new that you'd like mm, to share? I'm, I'm hosting a podcast for Wondery. Um called twin flames it's pretty intense um it's about cults and like finding love and stuff um and i'm also in a narrative podcast called tehana and let's see anything else that's coming up Mm, that's kind of all the things right now just sort of trying to not make life all about work and hanging out with my new kiddo
<laughs> Always do what's best for your family and, and friends. Exactly. I also want to give a message to to everybody in the audience out there. If you haven't seen Encanto, please watch it. It's a really great Disney film, and I definitely recommend it because I certainly loved it. Thank you. I recommend it too. It's really good. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Michael. This was really fun. It's my pleasure. I actually really enjoyed the, the conversation as well. Me too.